Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, the show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What is good, everybody? <laughs> I hope you're doing well, doing your thing this week. I maybe you can tell from my voice is a little, it's a little low, it's a little raspy, it's a little, a little fatigued. <laughs> it is definitely, it is definitely a, a little fatigued as I am recovering from Q Orleans. <laughs> I am recovering from Q Orleans. Uh, if you we're in New Orleans, or you saw pictures from last weekend, last week. The Omegas took over the city of New Orleans, the Crescent City. I'm going to give a shout-out to Dr. David Marion, who at the time was on my show last week, was the first vice grand boss of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, and congratulations to him. He was elected by a large margin. Uh, to be the 41st Grand Bosses of the Fraternity. So congratulations, Dr. Marion. I look forward to your era in, in leading us, leading us as Omega Men down a path, down a path that is revolutionary, down a path that allows, as you said on the show last week, for us to talk about the mental health and well-being of boys and men of color, as well as to really look forward to how we as men of Omega can be leaders in various movements across the country, because that's what's needed. I want to spend a little time today, got a chance to hang out with some of the brothers from Beta Delta Delta, uh, Chris Powell, Marvin Chambers, Kevin Early, Mike Howard, David Forbes, Tracy Porter, you know, just got a chance to rap. And these brothers, man, when I was in college, were the brothers that were holding it down. Uh, my man, Chris Powell, he and I went to school together and went to high school together. We went to JMU together. And, you know, it's interesting how we don't always know the influence that we have on people. And Chris is from College Park, was a year ahead of me at Green Run High School, the illustrious Green Run High School, you know, stallion for life. And Chris was that dude. Um, he kind of set the tone when we were younger, kind of gruff, kind of, you know, kind of let everybody know that he was in the space. You know, he took over the mantra as the bruh at JMU, making sure the chapter was held in high esteem by everyone who came on the yard. And there were many of us that looked up to him. And, you know, he made his way and made his influence. And as I sat and talked with my good friend Paul Forbes, sniper and skills, you know, that's a long story in itself. But Paul and I had a great conversation about why we are Omega Men now. And he began to tell his story about Chris Powell. And he began to say how Chris carried himself. And there's a way that care, it's the way that Omega men carry themselves. And they know if you're watching the show, Omega men carry themselves in a certain way. And Chris epitomizes that. Chris epitomizes the way that Omega men carry themselves. And he talked about how Chris made sure that not only it was about Omega, but it was about being a leader. We had this group on campus called Bond, Brothers of Negro Descent. I didn't know until, uh, 
until the other night when Paul and I were having dinner that Chris actually founded that. He and uh, this dude named Danny. And Bond was this opportunity for the brothers on campus at JAMU to come together um, around social justice, even though we didn't actually know what social justice really was or the term, you know, this hot term about equity and bias and privilege and how to overcome that. It was really brothers just getting together to do some good work and to have some camaraderie. Chris wanted that to make sure that the brothers at JMU had that opportunity. Um, and he led that. And, and Paul said that was one of the reasons. Paul was a big big part of that. And he said it was that reason why he wanted to be an Omega. And it took him a little while. Uh, spring, ter- spring 13, congratulations to you, P. It was good to see your brother, you know, uh, almost, you know, 19 years after we graduated from college. You know, that means there's that love for the fraternity. And... You know, some of us come come through at certain times. And for you to make sure that you made your way uh, to be a part of this wonderful organization, Paul, I, I congratulate you. But it was really interesting how you told that story about Chris. And so, Chris, if you're watching, you listen today, man, congratulations to you for all the all the influence that you've had on people. You just never know. You just never know how influential you are on people. And Keep being the revolutionary that you are, brother, because it, your evolution as a man has been uh, the model. It was interesting sitting with you, having that conversation about a, a multitude of things, man, about what it meant for you to be a father these days and how you were raising your children and and the kind of relationship that you wanted to have to your son. Some of your missteps, the vulnerability that we talked about in that conversation, the evolution. And that's what that's what this show is about. It is about the evolution of men. It is about the evolution of men of color as, you know, we go through this life. Because that's what it's about. We're supposed to evolve. We're supposed to be better each day. We're supposed to be better each year. When you look back, you shouldn't be able to say, you know what, I'm the same person. I think about my line brothers, uh, all of them. Frank, who I didn't call his name last week, brother, I love you. Antoine, Nate, Stan, Seiko, Boom. God rest his soul. Jessup, you know, the evolution of men. I see fathers. I see mentors. I see good friends, you know, brothers. And though even though you're not a part of my bloodline, you are my brothers and we laugh and joke. And Antoine Hickman has to be one of the funniest people that you will ever meet. I know that if I am down, I know if I am out, <laughs> I can pick up the phone and call Dr. Antoine Hickman and good a good laugh. So I'm, I'm waiting to make sure that he says something funny today on the show. But that's what brotherhood is about. Uh, and I want to thank Marvin because that was the impetus for this part of the conversation is that I'm doing something today that is out of my comfort zone. It also leads me to have that conversation with my coach and my mentor and one of my great friends, Natalie Burke. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. As you see, there is no guest today. It's just me. We're going to spend this hour you know, pontificating about things that I think are important to me, uh, that I think that as we have this conversation about how men can find and embrace the healthiest version of themselves, sometimes I just need to talk and, and you know, and get some things off my chest. And so we're going to spend that time today. And, you know, going back to my experience last weekend, being immersed with, I don't even know, it seemed like, you know, there were Omega men everywhere. And that's what I want to say because our friend of the show, Jay Banks, talked last week. There's a difference between Q's, Q's, and Omega Men. 
And I got to spend time with Omega Men this weekend. I got to spend time with my dad who has 69 years in the fraternity. Can you imagine that? 69 years in the fraternity. When you know the life expectancy for boys, for men of color, is not even that long. He spent 69 years in this organization, has been active and financial. To spend time with him, and yesterday as he was leaving, I made sure that we took a picture with him throwing up what he calls a hook, was, you know, straight up, but, you know, to really illuminate, to depict that legacy, that father and son, both immersed in Omega Psi Phi. But being able to spend time with Omega men, having in-depth conversations about vulnerability, about where we need to go, about who we are, what we're doing in our lives, was so, you know, <laughs> just a wonderful thing. I left full. Being able to hang out with Todd Taylor, Spring 88, Upsilon Psi, and his chapter brothers, 87, 86, 90, 92, you know, Friday night, uh, in the quarter, just hanging out, singing and chanting and stepping and, you know, being immersed with the friends that we had, Rachel and Nia and Michelle and Jan, Jan and, <laughs> and, and Amanda. That's right. <laughs> and, and Amanda, you know, just having that good time, just laughing. You know, I think about my chapter brothers coming down from Lambda Omega Vian, all right, the Spring 17 line, just laughing. Razak Belagoon, right? Spring 2002. That's what brotherhood is about, you know, being able to laugh, being able to love, being able to be vulnerable to each other. So I left, I left the clave feeling full and more, you know, invigorated about being an Omega man. And so my good brother, my good line brother, John Jessup, has now sparked a revolution of himself. Uh, only one of my line brothers is actually a life member in the fraternity. And so, he has challenged us all now to put $200 a month away to pay for our life membership, to make sure that we have that constant bond with the fraternity. Because we cannot, you know, we cannot lead if we are not financially invested into our fraternity. And so I thank you, everybody. The one thing, though, that I, I think that we have an opportunity as men, as men of Omega, you know, leaving full and that brotherhood. But the one thing that I heard from women and the one thing that I heard from people is that, you know, the bros are a little mannish, <laughs> right? The bros are a little mannish. And that sometimes that I didn't feel safe. And maybe that's not, the, maybe the experience is what Jay Banks said, they experienced some of the cues. Because I know that some of the, I, I know that this is not the behavior of, Omega men, right? And what I want to say to the men out there, uh, men of Omega, as we, as we move, as we move to this, you know, move through, not even through, move with. That's the, I think that's the better statement. How do we move with the Me Too movement? I think that we have to have open conversations about our behavior and how we show up for women and how we actually treat them. You know, how do we actually treat them with respect? And I'm not saying this from a place of I'm on my porch because we all have work to do. We all have work to do and how we show up. But I think that we as Omega men have an opportunity to not just not just say, OK, we are immersed in it, but we have an opportunity to lead because the expectation is that because we're Omega men, we're not going to be a part of this movement. 
And I want to thank the brothers of Iota Phi, I think I want to say the Iota in Pittsburgh, who are doing work, right, who are doing work, actually actually doing work, having professional developments and workshops, right, in, in Pittsburgh to understand how the chapter there can be more immersed in leadership and the Me Too movement. Because we don't want, right, what I heard from different brothers that their experiences is that the Hotels were actually telling women to stay away from the men in purple shirts. That becomes problematic. That becomes problematic when we have institutions, right, talking about and talking about their perceptions about. Not that it may not that it's true, but if institutions are saying stay away from this organization, we potentially have a problem. And that is that is something that I think that we need to address. As an organization broadly and then moving even down, how does chapter by chapter work through this to say, okay, we're going to take a leadership stance in this movement. And how do we do this? How do we educate ourselves? And then how do we comport ourselves in a manner that say, you know what, look at these Omega men. Look at how they are. Look at how they are comporting and leading in this movement. And so I think that's that's an opportunity. I think the second the second thing that I that I leave with. Right. Is this question now is this question of inclusion in our fraternity and this 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 topic, I, I may lose some viewers. I may I, I may lose, you know, some friends over this. Um, but I think as an opportunity to lead, I think how do we have this conversation about inclusion? Because even though we are stereotypically the most hyper masculine fraternity of the five uh, of the five male organizations. Right. We have brothers who are same-gender loving. Yes, I said it out loud. We have men of Omega who are same-gender loving. How do we as cisgender or straight or heterosexual, wherever wherever you fall on the line, or where, however you label yourself, how do we begin to have this conversation that there are brothers amongst us that are same-gender loving that are actually afraid to be who they are amongst us? And that is that becomes problematic. That becomes problematic because if friendship is essential to the soul, friendship is essential to the soul. And we think about our cardinal principles of manhood, scholarship, perseverance and uplift. And who we are, we have to think about how do we have these inclusive conversations. And yes, that is Dr. Corpru. That is the president and founder of What's Your Revolution Consulting talking about how we as an organization as Omega Sci-Fi, right, have conversation about being inclusive because there are brothers amongst us who are same gender loving, who are afraid to acknowledge who they truly are, right? Who they, who they have been all of their lives because of the ramifications that they may experience by our fraternity. I love you, brothers. I love you. And we have an opportunity to lead, to move into 2018, 2019, and 2020 as, as, as the leading organization around things that are impacting men in our communities, right? Impacting men and women in our communities. You listen to the What's a Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru on WBOK 1230 AM, also on WHIV 102.3 Having a conversation today all by myself, <laughs> which is an interesting thing as my coach and mentor, my love, Natalie Burke, talks about getting uncomfortable. 
you know, my good friend and fraternity brother Marvin Chambers said, as we sat on the couch, he said, the growth is in the discomfort. And so that's what today is. I'm having an opportunity to grow, to sit here all by myself and have a conversation with my listeners about things that are important to me. And I just, you know, ended this conversation about where we need to go as a Megas, you know, and I have made I have made it my goal by the end of 2018 to get my life membership, to make sure that I'm financially invested in the fraternity and that I can continue, hopefully, to have this voice amongst my brothers. What I also want to say in closing out this section is I want to thank all the brothers, Antonio Thompson, uh, Swilly, right, all the different brothers who walked up to me and said, brother, you know what? You're doing great things because sometimes we often get lost in our work. We don't even know if we're doing we don't even know if we're doing good work. We just do the work. So I want to thank all the brothers who, who, who said, you know what, man, this is a timely conversation that we're having that. You're doing great things. And maybe I, I left full. And so I, I, you know, I'm always talking about hashtag gratitude. I am grateful for the brothers who make sure that they left. I left knowing that the work that I do is not in vain and that people actually hear me. It allows me to continue this journey. It allows me to continue this walk. So rude to the bros. Again, congratulations to Dr. David Marion. I look forward to being a part of your success. Congratulations to uh, brother Ter Dr. Terrence Aguilar on a successful conclave. He was the Grand Marshal. And to all the brothers of Row Fight Chapter here in New Orleans who helped put on a wonderful conclave, heard nothing but accolades. And as my good brother Victor Jones says, you know what? You're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. You know, it, it leads me to think as I move into this this next conversation is, you know, brothers build relationships. And many of the brothers, as we get older, we form relationships with whoever we, we form relationships with. Uh, many of us have women in our lives. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I realized this weekend is that, you know, as I espouse all the time is that we have work to do. The revolution is your work. And you have to figure out what that revolution is. You have to figure out how do you get better each and every day. And I talked about on my vlog a couple of weeks ago, you know, figuring out what your triggers are. Because we as men love to say, you know what, he or she is crazy, right? Right? The, the people that we're in relationships with, we love to blame them. They're crazy. I can't believe this, right? But if you look back and back and you, you do the chronology of your relationships and you say everybody's crazy, the only constant in all of those relationships is you. Let me say that again. The only constant in all of the relationships is you. And I've been there, right? I've been that person. I've been, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe how crazy this woman is, right? I can't believe that you would actually pull this. You actually say this. I got to go, right? And then you realize that, you know what, maybe there's a part of that crazy that we want to label that you caused, right? Or that maybe your trigger, right, that allowed for her trigger or his trigger to come out. And so it was interesting this weekend, um, interest, interesting this, this weekend that having a miscommunication, right, with a person in my life and how this communication on both of our parts, right, on both of our parts led to, led to me being triggered, right, and me not even seeing that because me thinking that I'm right led to this trigger. And my trigger was like, you know what, I'm about to disregard you. 
right? I'm about to throw you away, which is, which is easy because that's what we do. It's easy. You're crazy. I don't deal with crazy, right? I'm not crazy. So I'm just going to disregard you, meaning disregard. I'm going to cast you aside. I'm going to block you. I'm a, <laughs> I'm going to block you. I'm going to cut you off from all your social media, right? Sounds like, right? This 47-year-old man, right? PhD, you don't need a PhD. All of this. There's that trigger. You are not going to hurt me. I'm not going to allow you to hurt me, right? The one thing that we have to do is to see our triggers. We have to see our red flags. We have to go back down deep and see where that comes from. And then when you see where it comes from, you then need to have the opportunity to talk. And I think that we have gotten lost, right? We have gotten lost in text, right? Or email. We've gotten lost in this, in let me send it quick right message or a long long text message right that's going to truly convey how i feel brothers let me tell you something right and maybe maybe i might get a caller or something and say brothers let me tell you something text does not convey tone right it can be inferred quite easily right i've spent copious amounts of time having arguments over text like right and totally miss reading the text or misreading, you know, assuming that your tone was malicious and me giving you the bird like I ain't got time for this. Right. The easiest thing for us to do, even though it may be hard, dear brothers, is to pick up the phone. And I am fortunate that my friend right pushed because both of us, both of us are stubborn. Both of us are stubborn. And so in your relationships with people, with friends or lovers, whatever, somebody's got to say, you know what? If I want to be a part of this, I got to step up. And so thankfully and gracefully, and I have gratitude for this person that that person stepped up and pushed, said, look, we need to have a conversation, right? At least if this is, if this friendship or whatever this is, is going to be over, then we need to talk about it. And in that conversation, it was interesting how text, text and how the text was conveyed or how the assumption of the text was conveyed led to it, an eruption of emotion. We have to get it. We, we have to begin to get away and get back to the formation of communication of communicating with each other. Right. That is the basis of any relationship. Move away from the text. Right. If you feel like you're about to say something of text, have the courage, dear brothers, to pick up the phone. Right. And if she doesn't, if she or he doesn't pick up the phone, keep calling, because I promise you that even though it may be over, at least you have the ability, hopefully, and the maturity to work through the situation. I'm very grateful for I'm very, very, very grateful for my friend that we were able to work through that as adults and both be able to develop tips and strategies of how we deal with each other later. You've been listening to the Western Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporu. Stay with me as I continue to go through my discomfort about being alone here with no guests. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show with Dr. Charles Corfrew. 
Hope everybody's doing well and you stay with me on the B side, as I call it. <laughs> you know, the good, you know, the song that you missed was always on the B side, you know, of the of the album, right? The, of the of the B side, you know, Michael Jackson's Thriller might have been on the B side. No, the girl is mine was on the B side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I am old, and I am old. As you can see, I'm not alone anymore. You never were alone. <laughs> right, no, I, I never was alone. But, but I'm just being quiet. Today. Yes, but, you know, I mean, I might look for you. I might look for you in this, really, on really, the B side. You really realize how hard this is for me. Hey, it's all good. I understand. You're a talker. <laughs> you're, you're definitely a talker. So, you know, we talked about the bros and how much I love the bros and the opportunity for us, you know, for us to be full, to show, to, to love each other. It's, and, and that's what I saw, the love. It was tremendous amount of love. You saw a city full of black men loving on each other, right? And I want everybody to understand that. That's what we do, right? We love on each other. So shout out to the bros. We talked about communication with relationships and how you, how pick up the phone. It may be the hardest thing to do, but pick up the phone or have that face-to-face conversation with the person that you care about, your friends, lovers, whoever they are with you. You know, get off a of text because <laughs> you could lose everything over text because of how it's conveyed or how it's how it's not even how it's conveyed, how it's inferred. Um, so I want to shift this conversation to one of the things that I talk about all the time is about your revolution. And I talk about how men can find and embrace their revolution to discover. And many people that I talk to, right, they come up to me. And that, that's why I know this work is, is, is good work, right? It's not that I think, oh, my God, I'm doing great work. It's people who come up to me and say, hey, Chuck, hey, Charles, hey, Corporal, hey, Dr. Corporal, whatever, whatever it is, you, you got me thinking about something that I've never thought about, right? You have me thinking about what my revolution is. And the thing that I espouse so much to people is, is that there's something in your life, right? There is something that has to change. You can be better, right? There's something that can allow you to grow to greater heights in your life, whether it's stopping something or starting something. Or for me, it's, it's, it's evaluating my value. What do I value in my life? And how do my values then impact how I show up in the world? And so that is a very interesting thing that I talk about all the time. If you ever get a chance to read Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F.U. <laughs> blank K, right, <laughs> is that he, he talks about looking at your values, right? And the interesting thing, we, we always think about values are family and church and politics. But the interesting thing about who you actually hang out with, right, where you go shop. Right. What you buy. Right. Where do you go to, you know, participate in things are actually what you value. And it's those unconscious values that I think that you have to bring conscious to say, wow, I value this and then say, OK, moving past this, how does this value impact my life? And that has been the hardest part of my own personal journey is looking at how I have valued certain people over certain people. And why that has impacted where I am right now. And so I'm asking yourself as you're thinking about, you know, hey, uh, uh, what's my revolution? Maybe it begins with you saying, what do I value? Right? Writing that list down. These are my values. And then saying, you know, in the next column, how do these values impact my life? Positively or negatively? And if you look at that negative column and you're saying, wow, this value impacts my life negatively because I'm valuing this thing over this. Or I'm valuing this person over other people. Maybe it's time to think about why you're devaluing and possibly dehumanizing 
people. It's, it's just a thought. But what I want you to do, dear brothers, is to look at where, where you can change. And that's the biggest thing. Ask and answer that thoughtful question. Yes, Derek Greenfield, hopefully you're watching. Yes, it's the most thoughtful question of your life, right? But ask that question. What's your revolution? What's my revolution? Whether it's being a community member, whether it's being a part of an organization that's going to shift change, whether it's doing the personal work on yourself, how you're going to eat healthy, how you're going to bring self-care into your life, how you're going to participate in your fraternity over the next 20 years, right? Be a part of that. You know, how do you take on leadership in the organizations you are? What's your revolution? And then write it down, right, and see it. This is my revolution. But the conversation then becomes, what happens when your revolution goes to E, right? When, when you lose interest in your revolution or you, you hit that brick wall. It was an interesting book that uh, my good friend and, you know, one of my greatest loves, Shauna Gentry and I read when we were in a relationship together, is, you know, was about how to break down brick walls. And said brick walls, are, brick walls are placed in front of us so we can knock them down. And it goes back and back to this conversation of, you know, being uncomfortable because brick walls are put there to make you uncomfortable. They're, in, they're impediments to your success. And so how do you break down those brick walls? And oftentimes we think that we, we have to have a sledgehammer to break down the brick wall. We may not need that sledgehammer. There may be cracks, right? If you think about you, you drop something on the ground, right? A, a couple times it doesn't break, but then you drop it on the, at the right angle, boom, and it shatters. You may have to find the crack in the brick wall that's going to shatter everything so you can move through. But what do you do when your revolution is on E? And what, I, what, I, what, I, what happened for me this weekend with the bros was that affirmation. Because sometimes you're like wondering, is, is this message really resonating with people? Is it resonating with the people that I want to want it to resonate? Are men of color saying, you know what? I want to be better. I want to be better. I'm wanting. Is this falling on deaf ears? I kept saying, I, you know, because I'm not getting, I'm not hearing, right? But then to have these men, these leaders around the country, right? Friends and, and people I don't know come up to me and say, brother, you are doing great work. Keep, keep up this work. We need to have that conversation, right? I needed people to pour into me. So look for people who will pour into you to help you through your revolution. That's what that's what it is. Go to your friends, right? Go to your family, right? Put it out on social media. That, you know, I'm having a little bit of a challenge. I hit a brick wall with my revolution and find people to pour into you. Because when I left this weekend, I am uh, my, my tank was on F, right? Not on E. And as I just said, reevaluate your values, right? It may be that you're on this revolution, but you have not evaluated your values. So you're still stuck here, right? And you're trying to make sure this revolution happens, but you're still in that old value, right? You're still out there messing with that same type of person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're still out there messing with that same type of person who still has that same impact on you. And that's the interesting thing. They still have that power of you because you have not given up that value. You're like, well, you know, I can do my revolution over here, but I can still be immersed with you. I still got that good time. You got to change that, brothers, right? Because that person is is ripping you parts of you away. And sometimes in your revolution, you're going to have to cut people off. And that is an interesting thing. And I keep I kept thinking about my my body. I kept seeing this image of my body and it just being ripped 
away, right? People just taking pieces of me, keep ripping because I'm pouring into everybody else and didn't feel like people were pouring into me. And I just kept feeling like my, my, my whole sheath was being stripped away. So sometimes, brother, as, as, as you move through this space in your revolution, you are going to have to cut people off. And that may be a hard decision because it goes back to that, that earlier step. You may value this relationship, right? It may be something of substance to you, but it may be the one thing that is causing you stress and it may be taking you away from your revolution. So think about the relationships that you have in your life, dear brothers. Get a coach, right? And we don't talk about that. Get a, get a coach. And I am thankful. I am grateful for my coaches, right, for the people Right. For the people who are in my life, I'm grateful for Natalie Burke to be able to pick. I can pick up the phone and call this powerful, intellectual, revolutionary, insightful, moving woman. I think about my mother, who is always who always gives me a scripture every day. Only she, you know, I know she's listening today and she doesn't think I read these scriptures. And sometimes I don't. All right. I'm not going to sit here and laugh. Sometimes I don't. Mom, I love you, but sometimes I don't read them. Hey, Miss Burke. Right. <laughs> you know. But there, there's a time I'm like, you know what, I need, I need to see this. My mother is a praying woman, and she makes sure that she provides. And now she, she, you know, just a shout out to her because she, she's been, the, she's been the, the longest coach that I've had, right? You know, even that whooping was coaching. <laughs> that, but shout out to her because she's the glue that keeps our family together. And you know, what you saw this weekend here at the conclave, you know, trying to make sure that my father could get to things that he, you know, and that all the little things that go on just to get him dressed, right? Right, to get him down to breakfast, to, to get his food, to get his medicine, to get his clothes, all those things, all the while having to take care of herself, right? Right? She taught me a long time ago as my first coach that, you know what, I'm going to teach you how to do everything you need, which sometimes can be problematic. Right. Because that means I don't need anyone in my life. Right. I can cook. I can clean. I can take care of myself. Right. I don't you know, I say it all the time. I don't need you, which could be problematic. But that's how she taught me. Right. And that's the that's the thing. Right. Get a coach. And I think for brothers and fortunately for me, I have the ability to coach, you know, other brothers. And so here's a shameless plug. Right. You know, what's a revolution provides leadership coaching to men of color. Because we have to navigate various spaces, right? And they're treacherous sometimes. And we need someone who actually looks like us. Like I love my coach and she's a female, but the ability to talk to other men, right? It was, it was great to sit down and talk to Marvin Chambers, who is an amazing leadership coach himself. He and Dr. Anthony Perdue, make sure you check them out. Look on my Facebook page, uh, Anthony Perdue. Uh, Marvin actually will be on the show sometime in uh, August as, as he comes to fruition with his dreams. But check them out. But it's great to talk to another brother. Who, who has been through the paces and knows what it's like, particularly if you're trying to get past the glass ceiling that we see for brothers in the corporate world. So get you a coach, sit in your discomfort, right? And lastly, you know, you're going to have to work through the ebbs. You know, our third cardinal principle is perseverance, right? You're going to have to persevere. It's not easy. You're going to go through challenges. The brick walls are there. Right. You're going to struggle in your revolution. Right. You're going to hit a plateau on your weight. Right. You're going to get rejected. You're going to you're going to they're going to be failures. But if you have perseverance, there's there's a promised land on the other side. You know, I listen to Les Brown all the time 
And he says, you know where the, he said, you know where the richest people, you know where the richest people are? It's a very interesting statement. Do you know where the richest people are? Mm -mm. The graveyard. Right? The graveyard. The richest people are in the graveyard because what happens is that we let our dreams die, right? You know, it's interesting. He says, he said, you know what? You were the one who could have changed the world, right? You were the one who could have developed this technology. You were the one who could develop this, the, the science behind this. You were the one who could have led this revolution. You were the one, but you let your dream die, right? You hit your brick wall and you said, you know what? I'm good. I can't go any further. And that's not who you are, right? My favorite poem is Rudyard Kipling's If. Right. Check it out. I'm not going to sit here and recite it on the show. Um, but if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Right. You will hit brick walls. You must persevere. And if you go back through all of those steps looking for affirmation, reevaluate your values, get a coach sitting in your discomfort. Right. It will allow you to persevere. That's what you need. So make sure when your revolution is on E, go to these steps, right? Or you can always contact me, right? <laughs> you can always contact me, Charles Corpru or C Corpru at what's your, C Corpru at wyrevolution.com. So that's my take on, you know, what happens when your revolution is on E. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru on WBOK 1230 AM, also broadcast on WHIV. 102.3. Actually, somebody came to me like, you, you, you're on WHIV. Actually, with Charlotte, she was like, <laughs> I actually said this song. I was like, you know what? I might be a little bit of a celebrity, like just a tiny bit. I said that, right? <laughs> I said a tiny bit of a celebrity. I said, you know, because sometimes I'm out in the street in New Orleans and play, hey, I know you. You're the revolution guy, right? Hmm. Right. Like you're Mr. What's Your Revolution? And I told this to Shauna, right? <laughs> she was like, wait a minute, hold up, right? She was like, you're on an AM station. <laughs> She was, she was like, hold up. Now, first of she, all, what you're not going to do is this AM radio. Yo, yo, no, she, no, this <laughs> is what she said. She was like, you're on radio and you're on AM and you're on WHIV, right? That's what she said, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the car when she says this mm-hmm. and I literally choke. <laughs> like literally, I literally choke because it's too damn, it's, Go it's, ahead. Yeah, it's it's it too damn funny, right? <laughs> Literally. I mean, the way she said it, you know, and, and I, am, I am grateful for her, uh, all the things that we have been through to continue to have this friendship that, you know, some relationships end and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the end. I think it takes a level of maturity for people who can who continue to love to continue to love each other after the relationship is over. And it takes a level of maturity that some people don't have. And so I'm very, very grateful for her. Her leadership, her friendship, her love and support, you know, it's often that I can call and say, you know what, I got this going on. Can you help me think through that? I think part of, you know, this revolution is having people who love and support you and you listen to. And that's the biggest thing. You know, part of leadership is being able to listen. And I think that's one of the greatest things that we have as leaders is is the ability to listen. If you don't listen, you're not a good leader. And so I'm really, really grateful for her. You know, we got 10 minutes left on the show. It's been really, really interesting, you know, to sit here and run my mouth for almost an hour. But some people ask me, you know, what's my revolution? And it's really, really interesting because I'm always asking people that, that same question. And so 
my revolution for me is to find the healthiest version of myself each and every day. I know that sounds very broadly, but finding the healthiest version of myself physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally means that there's a lot of work. <laughs> there is a ton of work. I mean, it, it means waking up every day and spending the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of my day in meditation and prayer, right? How how do I see myself? Because, you know, at, at 47 and single and childless, it, it gets tough when you when you log on to Facebook and you see everybody else's revolution and you see that they're married and their kids are going to college, right? I'm about to go to my 25th class reunion. Right? <laughs> You're going. I refuse. Yeah, to go. <laughs> I'm about to go to my 20, 25th class reunion, JMU, and you know it's going to be really interesting as people have these conversations about their kids, and many of their kids are going to college, and you know. Um, Little Caleb or <laughs> little Layla ain't there yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Caleb or Layla? Yeah, those are the two names that I kind of like. Caleb. Caleb Sumner. Yeah. You know? You just want him to get beat up in school. <laughs> see, see, that's a problem. That, that's a problem right there. Right? <laughs> Go ahead. Caleb Sumner. That's I, a hot. Caleb I, Sumner. I actually, have a, I actually have a nephew named Caleb. Yeah, I love that. It's a biblical name. Uh, Bertha would love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so... It, it, it's really so spending that part of the first part of my morning meditating, you know, and then structuring my day. And then, you know, what are my practices? So last year I began thankful to my good friends Chandler Nudick and Chelsea Lloyd, um, Chelsea Lloyd Hilton. Uh, I started practicing yoga. And yoga is probably the hardest workout that I do the entire week when I get there. Um, it is a wonderful opportunity to get back to the breath, to center myself. And what I realized is that life is about practice, right? And I think about Alan Iverson and what he said, right? Life is about practice, right? What you talking about? Practice? I mean, we talking about practice, right? I mean, practice. I love, right? I can't believe Not you. the game. Practice, right? I, that you know it word for word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Right. You know, I got friends who just clown me on that because, right, you talking about practice. Life is about practice. And what yoga has done for me is that when you see everybody who's doing their aerials and they're up on, you know, crow or doing a headstand or doing a handstand and you can't do it, right, you have to, you have to pull back and say it is the practice of yoga. It is not about the success of yoga. It is about the practice of yoga. And, and that's what yoga has taught me, that particularly even in this work that I do, it is that I'm going to fail. But this is practice, right? And one of the things that, you know, listening to all my different podcasts is that you cannot be afraid of failure. You cannot be afraid to go out and do things that you're actually going to fail at. And that's the key. We are afraid of failure because we think it's going to look – I failed, right? It's going to look bad that I couldn't perform. No, right? It's the ability to practice. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, you know, I like telling stories is that – I have been playing first base for my softball team, right? A joy, love, right, playing first base for my softball team. Well, coach said, you know what, I need you to move to second. I was pissed. <laughs> pissed, right? You know, I was pissed. I love playing. You know, I'm hype, right? I'm hype. I mean, literally, I literally cursed my teammates out, right? Literally, Why? because I was pissed. Right. I, I, again, I got work to do. Right. Right. I got work. I was pissed. I was pissed at how they came to me to tell me. Right. Oh. They were like, well, the team has made the decision. I was like, clearly the team has not made a decision because I was not involved in this decision. Right. <laughs> so there was I mean, literally went off. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also goes back to how we communicate with each other. Right. And so three weeks later, the coach and I talked. Well, not even the coach, but the, the, the guy who runs the team he said, look, 
this is why. Well, that should have happened then, but I understood. So we were able to. So moving to second base. I have played third base. I have played shortstop. I have played center field. I have played left field. I have played right field, right? I've never played second base. Second base is hard. Second base is hard, right? You know, when you grow up playing shortstop or center field, the turn, it's a, the turn is easy. And the distance is the farthest out. No. For you to figure out is well, it? you, you got to make a banana, but the, the distance further out is from shortstop. Mm-hmm. But I had to le- had to learn, right? The practice of being a second baseman now, and so I had to now once having this conversation, I was like, okay, I have an opportunity to get better, right? I got an opportunity to get better, so I've been practicing being a second base, you know, second baseman, and so I'm excited. I, that excitement is now back because you know what. I failed a couple of times, but there's an excitement of practice. And I think that we have to understand that this life is about practice. And if we continue to practice, that we're going to find ways to be successful. But also in that practice, we have to find other ways of challenging ourselves. Don't run the same way on the track every time. Because the brain begins to, the brain begins to, uh, become used to at, at this certain mark, I know you're gonna feel a certain kind of way, at this mark, I'm going to address. If you run a different way, the brain says, what the (laughs) way? This is not – the brain has to adjust, right? And so having these new challenges. And so, yes, I've been doing yoga, but I also started salsa dancing, salsa dancing, right? Because I wanted to challenge myself. And so I've spent the last eight weeks in salsa class. And it has has been amazing. Cross-body turns, cross-body leads, you know, one, two, three, you know – Basic, sidestep, all these different things. Shout out to my man, Jose Masingue. Hey, Jose Masingue. You know, Jose, he, you know, he's a good brother. He dances all the time now. But it's tough. It is the practice of salsa. And I mess it up most of the time, right? <laughs> I, mess it, I do. I mess it up most of the time. And my partners are like, yo, what are you doing, right? <laughs> but last week, right, after seven weeks, this Thursday is our culminating class for the, beginner, for the beginner's class. Last week, all, it, it started to click a little bit, Right? It started to click a little practice because I was like all in my head. Like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. It began to click. And that's what life is about. If you're on your revolution, your revolution is the practice. Right. And your practice may hit on E, but continue to find ways. Right. Find a new group of people. I want to give a shout out to my mastermind brothers. Right. Find a new group of people. Don't get comfortable. If everybody in your group looks like you, has the same amount of money as you. Right. Does the same thing as you. You're not growing. They can't extend your revolution, right? <laughs> they, they, they can't extend your revolution, right? <laughs> what are you trying to say, Jazz? <laughs> I got three minutes. I'm, I'm still talking. <laughs> I'm still talking. You can play that music for three minutes. <laughs> Keep going. You know what I'm saying? Find a new group of people, right? <laughs> All right. Including. <laughs> Including. I'm going to find me a new engineer. I was just trying to give you some soundtrack music. Bro. Oh, yeah. That's that, all that is. Oh, bro. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you try. You like, are you bored, dear brother? You tired of hearing my voice? You Say know. your last two points, please. I know. <laughs> See your doctor as uh, Dr. Grizz, who's on the show uh, on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock. All right. That's the last time I heard. Get, look, he says get fit, get checked, and get moved, man. Shout out to all the awards you've been getting, Doc Griggs, on everything you've been doing. And lastly, try this new genic, uh, new diet, ketogenic. right? Yeah, ketogenic diet, man. I'm trying that. I need that in my life. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> hey, we made it. <laughs>
We made it. All right, we've been through this hour. I want to thank everybody who uh, joined us on Facebook. Shout out to y'all. Appreciate you watching, staying with me. Shout out to Rachel who stayed with me, even though he didn't say much. I appreciate it, but you know, allow me to have its discomfort. I'm not shouting out to Jazz. You can kiss me, but <laughs> you know kiss what I'm my end. Yeah, thank you everybody for listening today. You've been watching to what's your, what's your you've been listening to the What's Your Revolution baby. Show. <laughs> oh my God, you've been listening to the What's Your Revolution Show with Dr. Charles Corporate. Want to thank my team. Love y'all. Appreciate you. Shout out to the bros. Shout out to the loves and. Um, We'll holler at y'all next week. Peace. Peace.